0: Welcome to Insights, an Amplify original series giving you insights on cultural myths, employee engagement, and why it all matters. I'm Nicole. Last week, we explored meaning in detail while unearthing how the HR team can work more closely with the executive team to create real change. Before we break that down, I want to take one more step back. When we talk about employee engagement, are we all really speaking the same language Is engagement basically just employee happiness or satisfaction? And who should own it? Or rather, who cares most about it? That's exactly what I asked Santiago.
1: That's wanting what's good for people and maybe not what's best for people. Because what's best for people isn't just a state of stasis and comfort and complacency where they are happy and and comfortable, but in fact, Research suggests that how we grow as people is by being put in front of challenges that are just outside of our current scope of capability and having support and resources there from others to help us actually succeed with something that we didn't know we could succeed with before. As I look back on my life, it's not been a linear growth journey as a professional nor as a leader. It's punctuated by times of stasis and times of tremendous growth. And when I look at those spurts of tremendous, almost exponential growth in my own journey, there are times where I had to do something difficult that I didn't know fully if I could do before. It wasn't so crazy out there that I was set up to fail. It was just enough outside of my current comfort zone. And I had others there that would coach and support me and mentor me through that so that I could actually have a real shot at being successful. And so back to it, if we, if we believe how we best serve our team is to give them comfort, then they'll be comfortable, they'll be satisfied, they'll be happy, and we'll score great on employee satisfaction and happiness. But I think that short changes both the person and the business and the team. The reason why is that people, when they're comfortable and leaning back and happy and satisfied and leaning back and taking it easy and kicking up their feet, and not st- really striving they don't grow they don't become better versions of themselves that way and they also don't perform for the company the best they're not the most productive but when you create spaces that yes support people but also challenge them appropriately and inspire them to greater heights that's when real growth in the person happens and incredible impact occurs for the organization And so I think part of it is shifting our mentality around, are we shooting for happiness and comfort? Is that what we want to deliver to people? Is that what's best for the person? Is that what is best for the team and for the business? Or is it actually entirely almost the opposite, which is this lean in, stretching, challenged, all in, do whatever it takes posture? of of pushing and growing and relentlessly trying to become a better version of ourselves and helping others around us have that same vision for their own life and for others. And so when you ask the question of who cares the most about employee engagement, I think actually individuals care the most. I think people are wired to want to do good work and to be in places where they can thrive and achieve their potential and become better people and better professionals. And, more than a CEO wants employee engagement for their company for good reasons or, or, or bad reasons. I think we as individuals want to be engaged with whatever we are doing first and foremost.
0: All right, now that we're all on the same page, there's a trend today in other departments where leaders are shifting to be more strategic and less tactical. Yet, because of the task manager history of the HR function, we run into this obstacle of creating a new way of thinking for this team. Has it sunk in yet? HR is way more than a back-end function. You're with me, right? Awesome, so now what? In our experience, most HR professionals set out to create places where employees can thrive, and you guessed it, be more engaged. But more often than not, there tends to be a struggle to accomplish their goals, whether it's from lack of budget, deprioritized initiatives, or that role being viewed as more tactical with years of stereotypes blocking change. What can an HR professional say to get them a seat at the table and help inform the CEO on making the right people, culture, and engagement decisions?
1: One of the classic loops uh, that unfortunately happen between the HR and the and the business side is an HR person truly cares about the people in the organization. They they got into HR because they they care about people, and they go to this to a CEO who perhaps it's before their leadership awakening moment, and they actually don't really care about people. They see them as replaceable pawns and cogs in a machine to be replaced and discarded um, at their at their whim at whatever is is the most productive and profitable for the company. And an HR person goes and says, "Hey, let's do this thing that costs money." but is, does good for people. And the leader says, what? Like, we have completely missed what I'm about. And so I think, to be clear, that's a progression on both sides. It's a progression on business leaders' side, putting people equal to importance to the organization's mission and seeing those two things as both number one priorities, like the Marines say, whatever they're saying is that I said in the last podcast that we can look up. Mission first, troops always something like that. And on the HR side, it's understanding that the way that we get things done is by first understanding what are the goals and priorities of the business, what's the market strategy, what's the product strategy, and how as an HR professional do I wrestle and deeply understand the business strategy and develop a people and a culture strategy that serves the business's needs and the needs of employees alike. And in that pitch, if the HR professional can demonstrate true mastery over the business's strategy and the business model and understands that and creates a people strategy that helps that business strategy be more successful and shows up to a CEO's or a C-suite's office with a deep understanding of that business strategy, data around the gaps of people strategy, In terms of pursuing the business strategy effectively and recommend several options with pros and cons of each with a clear criteria set by how they filtered and ran the options through, and they recommend an option based on data that can be an incredibly powerful conversation where perhaps that business leader is significantly more likely to be receptive to doing what's right for people if it's also what's right for the business. And HR folks typically know what's right for people, but it's finding that razor thin balance of what are those initiatives and programs and culture that both help us achieve the company's mission and the financial targets, and at the same time helps people grow and become better versions of themselves.
0: Mm, That's a tough one. It requires a balance of both right brain and left brain thinking. It requires intellectual and emotional intelligence. And while this might feel like a challenge, it's also an incredible opportunity. Because for the first time, there is enough momentum happening around work and employment to make these difficult conversations possible. So let's play out how an HR leader could actually present a new employee-centric initiative to the executive team. Santiago shared exactly what that should look like.
1: This is why we exist, and so we start with a clear understanding of what the why is, and I look around the room and I confirm that that's a shared understanding of why the business exists. Then I go into the what layer, and and I lay out, here is what we must be excellent at to achieve that why. We've got to develop this type of solution or product or service in this way and be differentiated in this way and deliver this value to customers, and I understand our go-to-market strategy is positioning ourselves to this target market in this way. And so when I did a measurement in a a survey or collected data points around our people strategy and our employee experience, I found that these are the 10 to 15 biggest gaps of our people strategy in relation to how we effectively accomplish our go-to-market and our solution strategy. And so what I did was I spoke to all the executives one-on-one around this room and understood from you what do you think are great criteria items or great criteria filters by which to prioritize these areas of opportunity or these problems in the employee experience. And, and I gathered that criteria and I was able to realize that we all agreed on these three criteria being great effective selection mechanisms. And so I, I scored these 10 potential opportunity areas with business impact and risk and effort and budget and created financial models for each. And it turns out that these two areas of opportunity are these problems, these two problems that we could solve, these two I believe would have the highest impact on our go-to-market strategy and on our market strategy and really help each of our team members have a better connection to why the company exists and how they can move that forward every day. So I've I've included here budgets of of my assumptions of what it's going to take to be successful, a timeline, uh, clear roles around it. And here are the two areas that I'd like to prioritize and recommend to you. But first, let me clarify that this was, that I have a good understanding of go-to-market, of solution and of the right criteria. Do you think there are any other gaps or any other areas of opportunity outside of these 10? And, And as I got confirmation at Each of those kind of stages in the logic funnel, if you will. Uh, I would then continue further until at the end, uh, we are aligned on the criteria, we're aligned on what we run through the criteria, and we land on very similar places. And after that, I would make the ask, make a very direct ask for resourcing and prioritization uh, of these areas of opportunity with a commitment to you know, check in with progress and success milestones, success metrics along the way. And I think that if if uh, an HR professional could complete that entire loop and do it in a collaborative way that brings in people's voices throughout that process, that could be an incredibly effective approach to earning a seat at the table, getting funding and priority for a truly transformational people, culture, and strategy, and creating a profitable business and an incredible place for people to spend their time working.
0: Now, on the flip side, what does a CEO or executive need from the HR leader once an initiative has been brought to the table? Back again is Craig Anderson, providing his insights on the topic.
1: I think to work toe-to-toe with the C-suite is, one, to make sure that they are having ongoing discussions. The CEO probably doesn't have time to implement or create all the programs, and I think that's one of the things that when I was running Student Connections I struggled with was I wanted to do all these things, but for me to do them all and run the business was more than I could fit onto my plate. So I think the value for the HR leader is to kind of crystallize that vision of the CEO and take the ideas of engagement that come from them and then the expertise of helping to kind of build and tailor those programs to the personality of the leader and the culture of the company so that they can kind of turn all that into engagement efforts that actually will work.
0: While Santiago provided us with a specific roadmap for approaching the CEO, I wanted to get even more insights on how to truly change the HR role to take on complex problems. So I asked Jennifer Hodnett, to weigh in on how she was able to make the internal transition from more of an administrative function to a key strategic leader.
2: In my situation, you know, I had the unique opportunity that we worked in the same office and, you know, I would get to float ideas by him on a frequent basis and, you know, just kind of pick his brain on, on what he was thinking and what he felt mattered to the business. I think it was a very natural development over time for us to start working closer together. As my team grew, I was able to take on some more projects. And, you know, as he was coming up with ideas or I would come up with ideas, we would have conversations and just, you know, start to work on things. I, I did present a number of ideas back in the beginning or have a number of thoughts and ideas that I wanted to work on, but that's just not where we're at. And I think over time, it takes... Earning and gaining trust of that executive leadership team, not only showing your willingness um, to work on projects, but also that you genuinely care about the company and wanting to move it forward. As an HR person, learning to see things from the business perspective, even though in HR, a lot of times we sit in this box where we think very black and white what's right, what's wrong, what we should, what we shouldn't do. I think taking the time to understand how that impacts business, you know, sometimes we have to say no. But understanding that business impact, asking those questions and really connecting with the business needs and what matters on that front, I think can really help earn that trust and respect of the executive team. Not only showing willingness, but understanding of, you know, how it challenges the business, how it moves things forward or how it it stalls things. You know, there's been many times I've given a recommendation saying, Hey, we need to do this because it's the, you know, legally compliant thing to do or what have you. But you know, I also express. I'm like, I know this is hard. I know this doesn't make sense, and you know, but it's what we have to do. And connecting with some of our leaders on on that front, so they don't feel like we're just mandating things because it's fun. You know, that we understand their perspective and that it causes a struggle for them from time to time. I think that really helps build that relationship and that perception, um, both from the executive team and from some of our you know midline managers that we know where they're coming from and and we see it from their view as well.
0: One of the biggest takeaways from these conversations is that it's a two-way street. The CEO can give more opportunity to the HR leaders by involving them on the business side, discussions related to sales, growth, development. And for the HR leader, it's about leaning in and seeking out opportunities to understand the company's objectives, the goals, and then ensuring that what they recommend aligns. I think Jennifer illustrates this best.
2: We have this phrase like you you don't want to let the tail wag the dog, let the dog wag the tail. And really HR we don't want to run the business, but then the business doesn't necessarily need to run HR, but they really need to be well connected and attuned to what those needs are and what the business is trying to accomplish so they can really effectively, you know, contribute. So I think bottom line by Involving them in some of those broader discussions, uh, it can really help them, you know, not only have ideas to to help from their perspective, but, you know, I think they'll bring something to the table sometimes that, that you didn't expect initially.
0: I'm not saying that they'll always agree, but that's not really the point. The point is to foster collaboration and encourage both parties to put the employee at the center of the conversation, because that's what it's all about, isn't it? the person.
1: I think that our role as business leaders is to hire for potential and for right fit in the role in the organization and then to invest in the whole person and really help them understand how they can best contribute to the company's strategy and how they can grow not only as a professional to hit the business's goals but how they can grow also as a person and as We as people, managers, invest into the whole person inside of our teams. Performance just happens. It's the byproduct of a good fit with the role in the organization and us as leaders investing in the whole person. And as we help people become their best selves, performance just happens. It's the byproduct of good leadership and management.
0: What better way to end our first Insight series? It's our hope that you learned a new way to think about employee engagement and how you, in whatever role, can drive organizational change to impact the lives of your people in real and meaningful ways. Companies are more than vehicles for creating revenue. They can be a place for transformational growth and opportunities for people to unlock their true potential.